Yep. Welcome to A Fine Time for Healing, a place where your physical, emotional, and spiritual well-being are all that matter. So put your feet up, relax, and enjoy today's show. Today we have with us Wendy Cole, and Wendy is a transition mentor, which she will explain to you, but she helps her clients face significant life changes. Since 2017, Wendy has guided others through transition. Her life experiences are the tools she uses. She believes in the mind's powers. She practices mindfulness, shifting her beliefs and energies to support herself going forward, making profound changes in her life health and finding joy in being. Um, knowing from childhood she was a girl, Wendy yielded to familial and societal expectations to fit in. And at age 67, she changed her life with her transition. I'm going to let Wendy tell us more. Hi, welcome, Wendy. It's so great to have you. Thank you, Randy. This has been, this is great. Yeah. Thank you for having me. We're going to have a good conversation. And um, I want people to truly understand the positive aspects of transitioning. Um, because we talked a little bit before we went on air, and there is so many, so much judgment around this by people who mm -hmm. know nothing. Mm hmm so i am very open-minded to be which be who you are you know just be who you are <laughs> and don't let society change that in you um it's not an easy thing to do is it no it's not uh for much of my my life my uh life was defined by not belonging and not feeling right about myself uh, I had a sense of this at as early as age three. Um, I knew by the time I got into school, I was very, I knew I was different. I couldn't still put words around what that was and how, but I knew what I was comfortable with and I knew what I was uncomfortable with. By the time I reached age 10, I, I, I just couldn't hold it back anymore. My body was starting to change. Puberty was onsetting. Um, nothing was going the way I felt it should or wanted it to. Mm -hmm. um, I, I knew I was a girl. In all reality, I was a girl. <laughs> um, it all comes down to when, you know, basically that word sex is applied to her sex as female his sex is male. Uh, what I've come to uh, feel is over the years is that word um, uh, greatly affects how people view um, male and female. It's it, it, the doctor spanks you when you're born and announces based on the anatomy, it's a boy or it's a girl. Well, most of the time they get it right with that. Yeah. With me, uh-uh. <laughs> they couldn't see they couldn't see they didn't exactly yeah because this is what i find is a lot of people don't understand the word gender gender has nothing to do with the physical anatomy gender is not between the legs it's between the ears mm. and that's what people don't get a lot of people don't get that and so here I am. I know I'm different. I'm telling my parents it didn't go well. Uh, that I was told 
you have to repress this. You, 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 you stop thinking like this. I was even taken to a psychiatric center, sitting with a psychiatrist, five sessions. My parents had most of them. I was in the waiting room. <laughs> right. And, um, my, I, I did hear the psychiatrist say, well, this is a little transvestism. Uh, it's too young. Yeah, all the boys experiment, uh, or a lot of little boys experiment, and mm-hmm. this is all perfectly normal. It'll go away. And he's too young to diagnose as a transsexual. Okay. Uh, and then I was told he'll forget all about it once he has a wife, a career, a family, a house. He'll forget all about being a girl. I did speak up in that session and say, no, I'm a girl, which terrified me because I was saying this in front of my father. Well, um, I repressed it. I was told if I didn't uh, repress, I would be committed and fixed at the psychiatric center. Um, I did. I did everything I could to repress it. I got through to age, around age 22, graduating college, another Big life change. No clue what I was going to do. (laughs) Uh, I was still struggling with myself, my life, who I was. Um, Did you date? Oh, God. (laughs) Not in high school. Very limited social life. I had this secret to hide. I was afraid of girls. They might figure me out. Um, And and, you weren't attracted to men, right? uh, No. In fact, uh, my male facsimile thought being gay was gross. (laughs) Uh, I wasn't attracted to men. Uh, I was afraid that gay gay people would figure me out too, as well as women. So uh, very limited social activity, social life, just very, a few close friends, and that was it. Um, College, I did date for a while, but then... The raging feelings inside me and everything else, I did tell her that ended badly. I don't blame her. That's one of the things that people like myself go through is we hurt other people's lives as we're growing up and developing and trying to check off all those boxes to be normal and fit into society. So 1970, I tried to transition and... That ended in a complete disaster. Um, That was when I had my uh, next and last experience with with psychiatrists. Uh, My psychiatrist took me as a clinical clinical case study to a group of psychologists, psychiatrists meeting in a local hospital. We're in a conference room. I'm the case study patient for that, that meeting. I start talking about my life. And one of the psychiatrists stands up, says, I'm done today. Uh, I'll see you all next quarter when we meet again. Looks at me and goes, you're a freak. You should move to New York City and turn tricks like the rest of them. Oh, my God. This is a doctor, a psychiatrist. After that experience and my next session with my psychiatrist, I found out this is a psychological condition with no treatment and no cure. 
And I came to the realization that that doctor wasn't too far from the truth. New York City or San Francisco and live underground. Never part of society and that's it. And there are people who did that. I have met over the last nine years, um, numerous people who went through what I did and uh, opted to continue repression and hiding and um, all because of the desire to still be part of society. So I repressed for uh, that psychiatrist that I talked with and as open as I was during that phase, I went into complete repression. The amount of both emotional, mental, and physical, physical harm that does to a person to repress who you truly are for 45 years. What kept you going, Wendy? Uh, survival instinct. Okay. Strong uh, ones, very strong ones. Uh, yeah. I did have a lot of suicidal ideation over the years. Okay. I... Um, in the 80s, I uh, discovered how much I really loved pot. And uh, that was a major escape mechanism uh, to uh, suppress everything. Uh, morning, noon, and night. Um, in the 90s, uh, my, I did get married. <laughs> I, I had tried everything else, so we'll try that. Maybe you married a woman. Right. You married a woman? Yeah. Um, Did you have children? Did she have children? We had children. Um, and four years into marriage, I told her all about this, expecting that we would be divorced by morning because I was dreaming about this in my sleep at night mm. and talking in my sleep. Mm. That's how bad the stress and the emotional level was. Uh she decided that as long as I didn't do anything about this and um, continued to repress, we would stay together. Mm. I didn't ask why. I had no other options. There was no need to know. I just let it alone and continued forward. And uh, she did allow me to cross-dress for a period of time, uh, that it would be okay if that would relieve the stress. And for some people in the transgender community, it does help. It's what they need. Uh, they do it periodically um, uh, at events that, where people get together and do this and all. It's, and it's all fine. It didn't work for me. Taking everything off reminded me of who I couldn't be because that's who I am. I've always been this. Internally, between my ears, I was never a man. I had to repress that. Um, so, got, so how old are your children now? Um, my, um, my son is, uh, is gone. Um, Sorry. he, he had a lot of, uh, um, a lot of issues, a lot of things that were wrong. I wasn't one of the best parents. <laughs> I was dealing with too much of my own stuff at the same time. And, um, uh, my daughter is uh, in her uh, mid-40s, okay. and uh, uh, 
my you maintained a relationship with her um actually this kind of killed that relationship i, I can imagine okay it's it's one of the hardest things for people to go through is uh family right um there's the acceptance of the name the pronoun the appearance changes but uh when it comes right down to it you're evolving i'm evolving i'm becoming a different person uh learning to be me i had to deconstruct my entire male socialization wow and rebuilt um and then uh after years of being on estrogen injections my body changed i don't have the physical strength i can't do the things that my male facsimile used to do <laughs> that's interesting so um I got to 2014, I was seriously done with living. My physical health was atrocious. I had all kinds of blood work problems, cholesterol and triglycerides, and I was type 2 diabetic since 39 and I was way overweight and I was miserable, unhappy and anxiety ridden. I was done living. I had no purpose in life and no 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 interest, no goals and I was done with this. I had resisted for 45 years. I had also resisted looking up if anything had changed. I didn't want to know anything about it because I was so engrossed in repression. And I had discovered also that uh psychiatrists, this was in the early 90s, I discovered psychiatrists if you went into them and basically made up stories about why you had anxiety and depression and everything and were willing to come back for visits they write you all the scripts you needed yes you know <laughs> I, it's been my experience and i tell my clients you know when when i feel as if a, you know medication may help them i say go see a psychiatrist but please don't tell them your story just tell them your symptoms i have anxiety i'm depressed i'm this i'm that let them write you a script and then every 6 3 months or whatever it is you go back they'll say how you doing on it you say fine and they'll keep writing it for you but mm -hmm. i completely agree yep that you don't want to tell them your problems right and after my experience in 1970 45 years or 30 years earlier mm -hmm. there's no way i'm telling anybody about this mm -hmm. it's socially not acceptable it doesn't fit the heteronorm of society in society did you ever think about just sort of going to a remote place and living alone um i have uh i did oh god <laughs> 1964 in high school i discovered the grateful dead bob dylan <laughs> and uh jefferson airplane much to my parents chagrin and then i started discovering oh wow there's this all this stuff going on in san francisco um the uh ken kesey acid trips right. maybe acid would fix me who knows <laughs> um so i you started felt broken wondering. you felt like you were broken oh absolutely mm -hmm. and so um yeah i dreamed of going to san francisco i was graduating high school i thought I'm just going to go run away go to San Francisco and emerge as Wendy. 
Or I could do that in Manhattan too. And I was living in Fishkill, New York, which is about 50 miles north of New York City. So Greenwich Village was one of my playgrounds. Right. <laughs> and um, no, I thought about that at length. I've talked to one, one woman who transitioned in 1978. And she told me that she envied me. What had happened is she did exactly that. She trans, she left everything that she had ever known behind, friends, relatives, everybody, and popped up in another place as herself. What she told me was she had swapped one closet for another one because she couldn't tell anyone in her new location about her past. Oh my gosh, right. Whereas I pick and choose where I'm being open, whom I'm being open to. Mm -hmm. And when I realize that I'm going to, you know, know this person for a while, we're going to be very good acquaintances or friends. I tell them about my past so that it's all out there. We get all the questions out of the way (laughs) and now they can get to really know me. You know, I, I just want to ask you, um, because many people who watch my podcast um, are struggling with self-identity, and they don't have a challenge like you had, but they do have a challenge that um, they've been told that there's some, either that there's something they're not, that there's something wrong with them, they're default, they're faulty, mm-hmm. um, and that they're not supposed to love themselves or take care of themselves. And so there's this inner fight and this can last a lifetime if you don't deal with it. Mm-hmm. So what do you do to help somebody understand how they can claim themselves? Well, one of the first things that I personally had to do, and this is what I help other people go through is really coming to terms with accepting yourself self-acceptance, becoming self-aware and working on your self-acceptance. And that begins by going through what are your beliefs? Um, We have thousands and thousands of thoughts going through our minds every day. Most of these are the same thoughts from day to day. They build, they reinforce and they're usually not that helpful. No, they're not. Mm-mm, no. And, but so, people think that's their thoughts, and it's really not. Right. Mm-hmm. So what I had to do when I started um, going through this whole transition, which I did in six months, by the way. Amazing. Um, when I started going through this, um, I did have an excellent therapist. And she got me back in touch with my hippie days of Zen, meditation. <laughs> I'm, um, I'm your generation. I'm only two years younger than you are. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. So believe me, I know the generation. I was there. Okay. <clears throat> cool. So, you know, it's <clears throat> working on those thoughts and beliefs and learning how to uh, block thoughts rewrite your story that you tell yourself every day of how you got to where you are 
and beginning to open up, changing those thought patterns and beliefs so that you can begin to see other possibilities. Because life is about possibility. And we all have things that are possible for us. And most of the time, it's our own thoughts, our own minds that block us from achieving them or even seeing them as being possible. You're right. That's where, that's where my work with anybody going through this or any other profound life change. Because while this is a very profound change, I changed my entire gender, my entire being, how I live, what I do. It's a complete change. But f- going through this was no different from somebody who needs to change their career move across the country they have you know empty nester imposter syndrome or any of those other it's you deal with it in the same manners it's it's all about our internal work and then once you do the internal work the rest just flows right you know i you know people say how you know how am i going to go on like this and i said it's it's Basically, I say the same thing, you know, it's the internal work that you do and then you're resilient and then Mm -hmm. you can do whatever you want to do in life. As long as you're okay within you, Mm -hmm. you can do whatever you want in life and nothing's going to bother you. You're just going to do it. I Um, totally agree, Randy. Truly amazing. It, it, It truly is. But it is. This is the key. I agree with you. Um, What was I going to ask you? So now you, um, you coach, you're a coach, and you also coach parents of transgender. Did we talk about the, the pivotal points of your life up to 2015? Um, well, in t- late 2014, uh-huh. I was in a very dark place. Okay. I was done living, really done. I had everything set up to kill myself, quite literally. At that very last minute, I decided, okay, you've been in tech your entire life. You know computers, you know internet. Go online and see if anything has changed. That's when I found that in 2012, the diagnosis was now a condition that I'm born with. And it's treatable through therapy, hormone replacement therapy, and any necessary surgeries. Is that in the DSM-5? That's there. Really? Cool. Um, so the WPATH organization, World Professional Association for Transgender Health, had influenced the medical community to make changes to the diagnosis. diagnosis. Good job. And that happened in 2012. In 2013, it became um, uh, coverable through insurance. Mm. The only problem is, is that if you work for an employer, they can opt not to have that as part of their employee insurance package. So anyone out there going through this and is looking to have any kind of medical procedures done, um, check your employee health insurance. And if it doesn't cover it, buy your own. Right. 
anyway, um, so I found out all of this. I was immediately blown away. That ended that ended any thought whatsoever of ending my life. That was life. your beacon. <laughs> that was it. Found it. Yay, I can do this. I won't be considered a freak anymore. Oh my gosh. So I went right upstairs to my wife at the time. I said, remember what we talked about in 1978? And I've been repressing ever since. Well, guess what? It never went away. And that's it. This does not go away. It's with you for life. It's part of who you are. It's how you're wired. Uh, in the second trimester of birth, you're, when the body is... Um, uh, differentiating between male and female my brain went male uh, my brain went female my body went male so it's genetic like a, the, the genes sort of uh it's somehow or another it's how the brain gets how the brain gets wired formed. okay and it's effect, uh, the effect is from the uh chemicals and the uh hormones in the mother okay in the second trimester that triggers the so it's the mother's fault <laughs> No, no and I'm that's just, the other thing I tell parents. I'm this kidding. is nothing you did. Right, I'm just you kidding. Did nothing wrong. This is just a part of nature. Right. How how we developed. This is how I was born. Right. And this is how your child is born. So uh, please don't make them live the way I did. <laughs> so, um, uh, I told her I'm going to find a therapist. And I did. I found a, a, a wonderful therapist where I saw her for five years. And um, it was, you know, we're, we're now friends. Okay, cool. And um, it's, it's, I started with uh, journaling. She wanted me to start, to start journaling, which is something I'd never done before. So I'd sit at my computer and just type every thought that was flowing through my mind. Everything hit the keyboard. Didn't worry about spelling, punctuation, nothing. And the key to this, and it's what I tell everybody I work with, is go back about five days after and read what you wrote. I would read that and I would go, oh my God. God, I don't want to feel this way. Why am I thinking this? Uh, I've got I've got to do something about that. It really drove it home for me that I was making myself completely sick with all of these emotions, all of these feelings. And I had to do the internal work to change that. And that's when I got into uh, reestablish my visioning of how would I feel if I walked out of the house in a dress? What would that feel like? Mm. And I'd vision that. And by my third therapy session, I went to therapy as Wendy. Wonderful. And it felt wonderful. Uh, Steph, took, My therapist, Stephanie, took a picture uh, I still have of that day. I couldn't stop smiling. Oh. <laughs> finally i'm free to be me and i kept doing all that work 
uh, going to therapy, talking, talking through a lot of things. Uh, I liked her therapeutic approach. It was very conversational. Um, and I would give myself homework for the next session. <laughs> this is what I'm going to do. These are the things I'm going to work on because I need to change this. And you wanted to power through it. Oh, yeah. By the time I got to the uh, May-June time frame of 2015, I was so done with my male facsimile and anything having to do with that life. And it showed. Uh, my wife at the time, you know, we, uh, when I started hormone therapy, we agreed we were getting divorced that she wasn't going to be married to a woman and Lord knows what else I was going to do. So we're getting a divorce. It was amicable. And, you know, she's known about this forever. And frankly, she said, um, you know, I'm, I was always worried about this popping up at some point during our lives together, mm -hmm. but it didn't until now. And this is really surprising at 67, you're doing this. <laughs> So, uh, again, it's never too late to no. be yourself. It's never too late. And, and, and that's another issue that I get a lot from my clients is I have wasted so many years with blah, 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 or that in that mindset or feeling so bad about myself or making such poor decisions. And I feel like I've waited. And I say, no, it's not when you do it. It's that you do it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, um, one of the times it was in June, I think, because I was I was starting to look for apartments. I was going to move out of the house. I was going to live on my own. And um, she said to me, I'm upset about the future. I'm upset about this. And I'm really worried and all of that. But you are just so happy. <laughs> it makes me upset. You're happy we're we're breaking up. <laughs> and were you retired at this point? Oh yeah. Okay. I had tried because that working is a whole nother thing, going to work. Mm-hmm. So um I said to her, I said, uh, of course I'm happy. I, I can't believe I'm doing this. This is going to be fun. And by that time I'd also realized too, life has no guarantees. I don't know if I'm even going to like living as a woman. I don't know what it's going to be like. In reality, I have no idea. But I know that's what I need to do, and I am committed to doing it. And that's what I look for in any of my clients, regardless of what their life change is, is are they committed to doing it? And, and you brought up uh, working and doing this. A lot of people worry about that, and I have helped so many people through that. Um, send an anonymous email to um, HR. What is your transition policy? And see what you get back. Um, in one, in 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 several cases, I've got uh, they've gotten back. Uh, we don't have a policy. Mm. So I so can't fire you. My next uh, that and um, uh, the other thing is, is 
I, I say to them, well, then volunteer to help draft the policy. Be part of that process. It's a really, really good and, idea. And they definitely won't fire you for it. <laughs> and oh my gosh, uh, it worked out great for one of my one of my clients. Uh, she wound up actually uh, uh, leaving the company that she worked for in New Jersey and going to their corporate headquarters in Manhattan for a year working on the policy and helping establish all of this in the company. And that's happened for uh, a few other people as well. So what do you say, um, you know, I don't buy into all this talk. This world is so upside down Mm -hmm. and backwards. It's, It's crazy and everything. But there are people who are coming out now and saying, I'm sorry I got the surgery. I wish I hadn't. I regret it. Are these people that didn't transition in a healthy way with guidance and, you know, everything that you need to get to the point where you want to change yourself physically? Um. Yes, one that didn't do the uh, uh, mental work internally, at, at least not fully. Okay. Um, there's a lot of, uh, uh, you know, especially when I started this in 2015, I would hear things like, oh, the, the, the rules that we have to have therapy for a year, the rule that we have to have a psychiatrist also, mm-hmm. and all of we have to have therapists, psychiatrists, uh, your medical professionals to monitor your health, all before you can move forward with any kind of surgeries or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And it's viewed as, and by some people within the community as gatekeepers. Okay. I know what I want, I know what I need, and this is what I want. Wanting to transition and needing to transition are two very different things. Uh, the transgender community is has a lot of different groups in it. It's not a homogeneous community. Okay. Um, and everybody basically deals with the same stuff, but to varying degrees. When you get to my part of the community, which is loosely called the transsexual part of the community, um, my feelings about who I was were very powerful, very strong, and that's how I need to live. Whereas a large part of the community just cross-dresses. It relieves the stress. They go out. They get together with like-minded people. They have a great three or four-day weekend. Mm -hmm. And during that, I hear people say, oh, yes, I really want to do this. I really want to do this. It's the word want. While they're dressed, they want to. But they're also not willing to give up their male lives and their male privilege. And all the other things associated with it. So, and then a lot of people don't even tell their wives and families that they're doing this. It's all in secret. So anybody that, that, and a lot of us start out in that community. I didn't, but a lot do. Is there a lot of physical illness 
in in your community from all that repression? Uh, yeah, I would say so. I know I had it. Mm-hmm. Um, I um, was type two diabetic from thirty nine. I had all kinds of blood work issues going on. I was uh, between sixty and seventy pounds overweight. Um, once I started doing this, everything started to change. Um, my primary care doctor, by around my second or third year of being myself, looked at me and goes, what is going on with you? I'm taking you off your diabetic medication. You don't need it anymore. Uh, you've lost a ton of weight. You're actually physically healthy and your blood work comes back perfect. Amazing. That's all from being aligned with your inner being. Yes. You're not caring. Right. What, what I've learned over the uh, uh, last nine years is we physically make ourselves sick. Yes, we do. Anxiety. Mm-hmm, we do. And worry and stress. Yeah. I mean, it's... um. You're, that's absolutely the truth. We make ourselves sick. We may blame it on another issue. We may blame it on an influence, uh, on how we're raised, on who we've been with, on what our lot in life has been so far. Mm-hmm. But truly, we're on a, a soul journey, and we have to we have to be okay inside of us. Right. Because I always tell people, you come in alone, you leave alone, and you're all you got. Everything else is icing. Mm-hmm. You've got to be okay here. Exactly. And I, I, I've, I feel that I'm almost like living proof of that at this point. It's amazing. Um, well, I'm I, so happy I, for you. I, thank you. I started, I started uh, one of my favorite exercises is walking. Um, and at my age, I can I can cover you know anywhere between three and eight miles a day. Good. And so it's normal for me to just go out and do three, four miles, five miles, uh, just to clear my head. Uh, I started doing that because it helps me get creative. It takes me out of whatever I'm working on or stuck with or whatever, and I just go out, change my thoughts. This is a lot going through a process like this with any kind of life change and doing that in, inner work gives you skills that you carry you forward and change your life so much for the better. Yes. It's, so, an, it's an impetus for uh-huh. a better life. It really is. While you're going through it, it, there's no way to see that. But from those who do go through it, you, you know, the other side, I always say to people, the other side of this is glorious. Uh-huh. Well, <laughs> I, I, I've, I've told so, uh, some of my clients that you're going to find joy on the other side that you never knew possible for you. And I totally, totally believe that. I found that myself. So what do you think about this? Is, this is a really hot topic about um, minors going through this or about the schools promoting it. What are your thoughts on that? 
I don't know that the schools actually do promote it. Uh, they talk about it, I probably. Mm -hmm. I'm not that familiar with uh, how that's done at the school level, but um, uh, in terms of uh, people that are uh, still living with their parents, um, uh, minors, um, I firmly believe that they should be socially transitioning, meaning go to school as their authentic selves. Okay. Uh, medically, um, my opinion is uh, at most testosterone or some sort of um, um, hormone blocker okay. to uh, prevent the onset of uh, full puberty. Um, that used to be problematic if somebody was going from male to female and they did some blockers, then there wouldn't be enough growth development anatomically to create the new anatomy. Yes. Well, that's what, um, jazz, that was an issue for her because she transitioned uh, very early mm -hmm. at four, I think it was mm -hmm. right. And by the time puberty was uh, there, she was on blockers. They if had she had no anatomy. It was very difficult. The surgery was very difficult. Well, she had good surgical team. That that's key. Um, and um, I had my surgery with Dr. Rachel Bluebond in at NYU Medical Center. Mm. And one of the things that's routinely done at Mount Sinai and at NYU, where they do these surgeries, is the peritoneum uh, tissue, they can harvest that now and create the new anatomy. Okay. So the, the, the hormone blockers are nowhere near as problematic as they used to be. Okay. And that's changed very quickly. Wow. Uh, in terms of people uh, regretting doing this, personally, I've never known anyone who has. And I've never heard of it. And the ones that I hear about it, I question whether or not it's real because of the source that it's coming from. Usually somebody who is totally against people like me. Mm -hmm. Right. So there's a, um, um, one of the reasons that I started talking about this so openly and publicly is, is I want people to hear what living like this really is the benefits of the transition. We're not freaks or weirdos. <laughs> we are part of the human condition. <laughs> and it's, it's just, um, and the people don't, haven't, haven't had the opportunity to meet anyone like me or hear us or get our question, get their questions answered. So I have a question. Sure. Um, and I, gosh, I just lost I download information and then if I don't say it right away, because I didn't even think it, so <laughs> something <laughs> happened. Um, okay, I know what I was going to ask you. Um, what I was going to ask you is, I know why my early journey was so very difficult, because it brought me to where I am and now I'm able to work with people and help people. Mm -hmm. um, what do you think, big picture? was your purpose for having to go through such 
a hard life? Um, I've actually found purpose in, um, in, in talking with people about this and being very open with it. Um, I first moved into this neighborhood, New Hope, Pennsylvania. Um, there's a large gay community, men, women. And of course, you know, people like myself, you know, come through largely whatever. And, but this big gay community and I figured, okay, the, that part of the LGBT world is going to understand me. No, they were very accepting, very supportive. They've been wonderful. But my first encounter, uh, Chad and Jason, neighbors, left flowers at my door. <laughs> Welcome to the neighborhood. Chad and Jason, number 15. I'll never forget that. I looked for them. They weren't home. I saw them come home on a, on a Sunday evening at around uh, nine o'clock in the evening. I walked down. I introduced myself. I confirmed the, the rumors going around that I wasn't uh, cisgender. I wasn't born female, that I'm transitioning and I'm living full time as a woman. And my name is Wendy. And okay, so that confirmed that. And I followed up saying, I'm an open book. Ask me anything you want. And absolutely nothing is off limits. Jason said, you shouldn't have said that in front of Chad. <laughs> <laughs> we talked, Randy, until uh, about 3.30 in the morning. Nonstop. It was wonderful. And that's when I decided, okay, now I get it. People don't really understand this. So I would wind up going to the Raven, which was the local gay bar, big bar. I didn't go there to drink or get drunk. <laughs> I went there to go meet people. This is totally the antithesis, opposite of how my male facsimile lived. I lived in hiding behind a computer screen designing programs and software for corporations. <laughs> so different. Now I'm out uh, being social and talking with people. And that's where I would wind up talking with a guy who, you know, yeah, okay, I kind of get you. I said, well, you got married, right? Yeah. You fought this from childhood, right? Yeah. Uh, you just couldn't take it anymore. And you came out to your wife. Now you're gay and you're divorced and you're living your life. I said, me too. <laughs> Only difference is you became a G. I became a T. That's it. <laughs> and we went on from there. We'd have great conversations. Um and when I was um, uh, scheduled for uh, surgery, I'd walk in and uh, uh, one of the bartenders, one of my friends would holler out, Wendy's here. <laughs> it was like Aww. walking into cheers. <laughs> and uh, uh, somebody would, they knew I had a countdown app on my phone. So how many more days until your surgery? And I'd announce the number. And then invariably some guy would grab his crotch and go, Wendy, how can you do that? 
Right. I mean, that, they, yeah. right. Men, they feel it right there. They do. They get really about that. Uh, so hmm. my response was always, I'm getting my birth defect fixed. <laughs> and that's how I felt. You know, when Jazz got her, um, and for anybody who's listening, there, there's a series um, that's been going on for several years um, with a, a transgender girl who was a boy up until like, age four, and her parents understood that she was wanted to, she was a girl. She said she was a girl, and they really followed along, and now she's in college and, and all of that. Um, so that was my real education, and I found it fascinating. I thought it was just truly amazing, and I and the parents are truly amazing for mm-hmm. having accepted that at such a young age, but they do, and they're advocates. Um, we we have in in any situation we have a hard time understanding something that is not in our thought process i always say to people you don't have a box to put that in (laughs) it's not there you don't know where to put that so Mm -hmm. when that happens um we have to learn about it and then come to an acceptance about it it doesn't mean we will understand right we won't relate but we can learn and accept, right? Right. I don't expect people to understand me. If you haven't woken up in the morning, gone to the into the bathroom, looked at yourself in the mirror, and know that it's all wrong, you won't be able to fully understand or appreciate the mm-hmm. power of that and how damaging it really is. It's a prison. Yes, I worked in Center City, Philadelphia for a while, mm-hmm. and I would go outside to have lunch on a nice spring day, little park beside the building, watch people walk by while I had my lunch. I had to stop seeing the other women walk by. Mm. Just drove me absolutely off the deep end. So I stayed at my desk. That's how powerful this is. It does not go away. Uh, I, uh, I, I, I tell people that understanding it, uh, I don't expect you to. It's acceptance without needing to understand. Yes. And that's key for parents of transgender. And it's, it's something that people need to be, get, get help with in order to do it. And it requires parents who can truly unconditionally love their children. That is the epitome of unconditional love. Exactly. And by the way, I was working at a booth in uh, the transgender uh, health conference in the Philadelphia Convention Center. Over 6,000 people there. That blew me away the first time I went. I didn't know that many people existed. I was always told, you're the only one who feels like this. So 6,000 people. And who do I see? Jazz's mom. Oh, yeah. I left my booth. I ran (laughs) over. I grabbed her. I hugged her. I said, how wonderful you are. I uh, totally get it. And I have a picture of, I took a selfie with me and her. It was great. She's great. (laughs) I mean, oh, wow. I would have, I would have loved for my mother when 
when I was in uh, uh, going into high school, whatever, they wanted me to go to a private school. I said, okay, I'll go as long as I can go as Wendy. And that didn't go well for me again. <laughs> so um, I would have loved it if my mother said, okay, if that's truly the way you feel, let's go out shopping. I'll buy you dresses, uh, skirts. Let's try uh, it. And uh, would you like to go to the salon and have your hair done? And and one of my uh, uh, closest friends from high school, when I came out to him in you know, after 2015, and I told him about what had been going on and everything. He looked at me and he goes, wow, uh, I had no idea. And one of the questions he asked me was, how do you, how would you have felt walking to the bus stop to get on the bus with everyone else in a dress? And I said, it would have been, I know I would have gotten teased a lot and everything else, but it would have felt amazing just to be me. And that's really the bottom line mm -hmm. is you have to be yourself. So do you, do you find um, a spiritual um, aspect of this as to why this occurs, as to why there's gender issues and, and all of that? Um, is, it a, is it a balance for the world? I mean, I love to look at big pictures and I love to mm -hmm. kind of figure out what is the purpose of all of this? Because it's here and it's real. Mm -hmm. Do you have thoughts on that? Um, there are far more people that have this condition than we know about. Uh, people like myself who are out are the tip of the iceberg. <laughs> yeah. Um, this has always existed in other cultures, in other societies. It's actually honored. Is it really? You're a dual spirit. Wow. You have both. American Indians, they honored it. Really? Um, a lot of Asian countries. Uh, Thailand. Thailand's really big on doing surgeries. Really? I'm surprised. And, you know, they have a whole uh, culture around this. Uh, it's our... Uh, uh, heteronormative religious whole thing that goes on in our society that makes it very rigid yeah um gender is not fixed it's not exclusively male or female it's a continuum and no one is perfectly male or female we all have traits from either either clan <laughs> as it were <laughs> Uh, the way we choose to live, et cetera, is in this country is very rigidly divided between male and female. Mm -hmm. But very much so. Um, it doesn't have to be that way. And that's not, you know, nature doesn't uh, uh, subscribe to man's rules. <laughs> and nature, well, nature really doesn't make mistakes. I mean, oh. nature has reasons for everything. So, I've taken it as my purpose to go out and be visible, answer questions, talk with people, and um, try and 
be an alternative to the politicians and the so-called religious people that uh, uh, speak all kinds of trash about us. Um, here I am. That and used to be with gay, with gay as well. Absolutely. And now that's so accepted. Okay. Yep. Well, it's accepted in most circles. Okay. Religious, <laughs> maybe not. Maybe not, not Catholic and Christian and things like that. Right. We do have a long way to go. Yeah. But we're getting there. And with all these laws they're passing or trying to pass and everything else, I got the feeling uh, in 2022 and 2023 that the goal was to try and legislate me out of existence. Wow. And that's not going to happen. I'm here and I'm staying. And uh, that's what that's what I'm doing. And I'm going to help other people get through this and other types of problems that they may or may not have that they don't know how to deal with. You know, you were saying we know people. I, I, I remember going to school with kids who were one gender, but really didn't dress. They sort of dressed in between, you know, and mm -hmm. then um, at prom, they came dressed as the gender that they believed they were. Wow. And and it's it's shocking to see somebody go from that to that, you know, but mm -hmm. like a woman who came in a tuxedo. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> but wow, if you can do that at that age, that's then you have your whole life ahead of you. It's amazing. Absolutely. Um, knowing what I know now, um, I don't know what I would have done back then. One of the things I really got got through very quickly in my whole therapy process was forget about the past. That's nothing but regrets. It won't do me any good. Just move forward and focus on my vision for what I want my life to look like going forward. That's right. And, oh, uh, uh, the guilt and the shame guilt doesn't do me any good you know I felt guilty for um, basically 35 40 years for having married my wife that was huge guilt I changed her life if she had known about this she never would have married me okay so that's something that I did that was wrong how did you um, resolve that or, or make amends? Did you, how did you make, relieve the guilt? Um, what I bas basically what I decided was guilt is a very negative emotion. It doesn't do me any good to hold on to it. And it does not do the person that I'm feeling guilty about any good either because basically they don't know it's a it's a useless <laughs> it's a useless, useless, right, it's a useless it's a masochistic thought process and it's a way of beating myself up so forget it exactly uh, and guilt, guilt is a big part of what keeps people trapped in in issues um and i always say so what do you feel guilty for did you do something <laughs> okay if you did it, have you said, I'm sorry? Well, yeah. Have you moved on and changed the way that you do things? Well, yeah. So 
the guilt Forget. doesn't need to be there. You're done. Exactly. You're done. <laughs> You're exactly. done. Right? You're yep. done. And so, the other thing, um, but it, the it other weighs th people down. I was raised with guilt. Mm -hmm. The other thing that I uh, worked on was um, uh, forgiveness. Mm. Forgiving my parents mm -hmm. for how they treated me. <clears throat> they were products of their generation. They went through the Depression. They went through World War II. Uh, they had a certain view of life and society. And they were trying to protect, doing their best to protect and guide me. It was all wrong. It didn't work for me. But they were doing their best. So I've since forgiven them. Right. That generation, and, there was no psychology uh, among the masses. No, you know, it, there was no psychology. Um, and mm -hmm. I know a lot of us, you know, my mother was from the Dep Great Depression. My father was in World War II. It's the, the same thing, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and I think there's a lot of our generation that has had problems and struggles because right. we're exposed to all this psychology and this understanding and this acceptance and they never were. And it's right. such a clash. Absolutely is. And, uh, but actually I like this better than theirs. And that's why when I see people wanting to take us back to the lovely 1950s and early sixties, I cringe. That was the age of father knows best. Oh yeah. <laughs> my mother didn't have a checking account a bank account or a credit card and they had she one had, car probably and one car and that was it and if he worked she was home exactly mm -hmm. that was my now, home and my mother always had the apron on you know she mm -hmm. was in the kitchen <laughs> yep. it was the perfect little picture and that whole deal of the housewife wearing the dress and heels with the pearls uh that was real that was real it it really is it really is I, so um so wendy if um someone's listening listening to this and they really want to contact you how do they do that the best way is meetwendycole.com okay um on there they can uh, uh schedule uh, uh, a free conversation with me with no problems Okay. Um, they can, uh, subscribe to my newsletter if they wish. And, um, there's a, uh, button there that will take them to my main website where I have my media page and my coaching and everything else is described. My blog is there, okay. but meetwendycole.com. Perfect. There's got to be someone out there that is hearing this, um, that's why I do it. You know, that's why I do these shows because if I oh. just reach one person with the topic that just resonates with them, you know, then mm -hmm. it's, it, it's matters so much. Um, but I've really enjoyed talking to you. This is, this is great. I'm so glad that we connected and um, this video is going to be up on YouTube within a few hours. So oh, I wow. will send it to you. Oh, great. <laughs> and you can put it on your media page. Okay. Oh, great. Thank you. So um, to thank you again for being my guest, it's, it's just been an absolute pleasure. I've thoroughly enjoyed it, Randy. Thank you for having me here. You're welcome.